The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. As we turn our attention to Isaiah chapters 56 and 57, I love the song we were singing a minute ago, uh, Open up my eyes in wonder. That's the phrase that just kept rolling over my soul. Open up my eyes in wonder. And that is what we're going to be doing this morning. We're asking God to open up our eyes in wonder. Um, Even in the midst of um, maybe what seems like the chaos or a storm around you, if you're uh, uh, managing three, four, and five-year-olds, maybe two-year-olds, But we are going to God's Word this morning, praying that He would open up our eyes in wonder. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 56, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 8, and then we're going to jump over to 57. It's the very Word of God. Thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness. For soon my salvation will come and my deliverance be revealed Blessed is the man who does this, and the son of man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and keeps his hand from doing evil. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, Behold, I'm just a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Let me read a little bit more. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to them, to love the name of the Lord and to be His servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath, and does not profane it, and holds fast my covenant. These I will bring to my holy mountain, and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God, who gathers the outcast of Israel, declares, I will gather yet others to him, besides those already gathered. And then jump to chapter 57. The righteous man perishes, and no one lays it to heart. Devout men are taken away while no one understands. For the righteous man is taken away from calamity. He enters into peace. They rest in their beds who walk in their uprightness. But you draw near, sons of the sorcerers, offspring of the adulterer and the loose woman, Whom are you mocking? Against whom do you open your mouth wide and stick out your tongue? And you not children of, are you not children of transgression, the offspring of deceit? You who burn with lust among the oaks under every green tree, who slaughter your children in the valleys under the clefts of the rocks, among the smooth stones of the valley is your portion, yet they are your lot. To them you have poured out a drink offering, and you have brought a grain offering. Shall I relent from these things? On a high and lofty mountain have you set your bed, 
and there you went up to offer sacrifice. Behind the door and the doorpost, you have set up your memorial for deserting me. You have uncovered your bed. You have gone up to it. You have made it wide, and you have made a covenant with yourself for yourself with them. You have loved their bed, and you have looked on nakedness. Jump now to verse 14. And, you, and it shall be said, build up, prepare the way, remove every obstruction from my people's way. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. For I will not contend forever, nor will I always be angry, for the Spirit would grow faint before me, and the breath of life that I made, because of the iniquity of his unjust gain, I was angry. I struck him, I hid my face and was angry, but he went on backsliding in the way of his own heart. I have seen his ways, but I will heal him. I will lead him and restore and comfort to him and his mourners, creating the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace so uh, to the far and to the near, says the Lord, and I will heal him. But the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet, and its waters toss up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. This is the very Word of God. Thanks be to God. Pray with me. Oh, Father, this morning, we need, to, we need you to open up our eyes in wonder to all that you are. Oh, God, you need to become more attractive to us than all the distractions in life. You need to become more attractive to us, your mercy, your grace, your power, your your omnipotent reign as king and head needs to become our central focus because we've been consumed with the things of the world. We've been distracted by the things of the world. We have busied our heart and our lives with the things of the world, and quite frankly, many of us are empty and dry, just like the eunuch. But, oh God, we know that you are the one that brings healing. You are the one that meets the lowly and the contrite of heart. You are the one that has not cast off your people. You are the one whose love perseveres with us to the end, and you win. And so, God, win our hearts right now. Meet us where we are. Father, give me the words to say. Accomplish your will through me. Don't allow this time to be in vain. Show yourself. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me frame our, this passage before us this morning. Number one, I have to say there's no way, obviously, as we've been saying, that I can cover everything in these two chapters. And yet I do believe that I can give you the heart of them if you will follow me and if you will go on this journey with me. And here is what this passage is saying. It is telling God's people and it's telling the world after them that God's people have a bent toward neglecting, if not completely forgetting the Sabbath, justice, and righteousness. In other words, what we're forgetting 
(laughs) What we're rejecting, what we're getting too involved with with our lives is we are pushing off communing with God deeply, meeting God on the Sabbath. We're pushing off loving our neighbor and being concerned with the needs of our neighbor, those in our household and beyond, and obviously more consumed with ourselves. And we're pushing off anyone that would look different than us, caring for anyone that would look different from us, and showing no concern for making our community, our family, our heart, our lives open to those unlike us, the foreigner, the immigrant, and so forth, and even the outcast. Well, I wish Isaiah could give us something a bit more relevant to our day. (laughs) I wish he could give us something to work with, Uh, but let's see what we can come up with. Let's go to work. Let's dive into the deep end and start dealing with the Sabbath because it is the link, and and this is, I'm so excited about this message, Um, um, but this is why. The Sabbath is the link to living a life of justice and diversity. All right, Sabbath, how? Sabbath, first of all, means stopping work to rest in God. Stopping work to, re- to, to drink deeply of God. Sabbath is mentioned three times in, in chapter 56. Listen to verse 2. Blessed is the man, flourishing is the man who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. This is interesting. There's a contrast between the children of God who, who understand Sabbath, drinking deeply with God, and a life of righteousness because if you're drinking deep of God, if He's your central focus, you're not living a life of evil. You're, you're repenting of your idolatries and so forth. That's the whole nature of the Sabbath. All right, uh, next, four and five. To the eunuchs, what is a eunuch? It is a, a man who is castrated. Typically, the, um, this individual would be chosen by the king, and, um, and he would be castrated because he would have oversight of the king's harem. Or he would work closely with the king's family, and therefore, to, in order to be trusted, he would be castrated. And so it was almost, you know, in the world, it was like this meant you were, you know, right above the king, or right below the king, if you will. But In Deuteronomy and other places, the eunuch is declared unclean and cannot enter the house of God. And yet, listen to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath. I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. See the irony? (laughs) How beautiful is the promise of God. How beautiful is the God of the promises. Verses 6 and 7, and the foreigners, the immigrants, those outside who join themselves to the Lord, who minister to Him to love the name of the Lord and to be His servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Sabbath was at the center of the community of God's people in the Old Testament. It's the fourth commandment. Observe the Sabbath to keep it holy. The people of God were marked from all the other nations and all the other gods. 
by the Sabbath and Sabbath observance. Um, Alec Moynier in his commentary says this, Persians, Babylonians, Canaanites, Egyptians, Greeks, um, none of these ever thought of stopping work, as the word literally means, one day in seven so as to give ordinary people a complete day of rest. But what's at the heart of it? Certainly that God reigns and He cares. He is our boss. And when He says don't work, don't work. Because why? Because He's uh, Jehovah Jireh. He's the one that provides for us. Absolutely. But it it goes deeper and more pervasive than this, as if that's not um, enough. Listen, if you look at Deuteronomy 5 and you see the fourth commandment, you see that there are several verses It's the longest command, the longest explanation. It gives a commentary. God gives a commentary on what it means to keep the Sabbath. And in in verse 15, this is what he uh, says. You shall remember, uh, keeping Sabbath, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. The key to Sabbath-keeping is not ceasing work. It's ceasing work so as to remember that we are a delivered people. How glorious is that? And this is to frame our very lives. It is the very heartbeat of what it means to be a child of God. God put it at the end of the week for the Old Testament believers, the beginning of the week of the, Old Te- of the New Testament believers. Why? To frame our entire lives. We are a delivered people, and it's worth taking an entire day out of every week to not just remember it, but to connect to the deliverer himself. It's not some dry observance. That is where we all go, oh, what can I do? What can I not do? Am I really observing the Sabbath? Are you meeting God in solitude and silence? Are you connecting with Him? Are your eyes being opened up in wonder? You are, you are, you are recognizing it and practicing Sabbath. That's what we're called into. Practicing Sabbath is not merely a day but a way of life. It's moving from a frantic life of hurry to a life of rest in God and God alone. It is not merely evidence of a life of faith in and dependence on, but it's the actual practice of faith and dependence on God. This is the rhythm of our lives. This could be a whole series, but let's consider um, just these chapters. Isaiah clarifies that the righteous practice the Sabbath, but not the unrighteous. The unrighteous are consumed with themselves. They're consumed with pleasure. Uh, Chapter 57, 8 through 10. For deserting me, you've uncovered your bed. You have gone up to it. You've made it wide. And you've made a covenant for yourself with them. You've bound yourself to unbelievers in the marketplace. And and, uh, even sexually, you've loved their bed. You've looked on nakedness. You journeyed to the king with oil and multiplied your perfumes. You sent your envoys far off. And listen to this. You were wearied with the length of your way. You were worn out. You were burnt out. You were tired. You were at the end of the rope. Oh, but did you repent? Did you say, it is hopeless? No. You just found new life for your strength. And so you weren't faint. Do you hear this? Note the last verse. There's no rest for the unbelieving person. Uh, And any rest one has is self-centered and maintained. 
the wicked find relief by busying themselves with all kinds of activity by taking this trip, by going to this new restaurant, by cooking this new meal, by taking up this new hobby, by going here. By the, the, they find relief. They find distraction, but they don't find rest. Only the people of God find rest for their weary souls. This is the essence of Jesus' teaching in Matthew 6. He says, look at the birds of the air. you got to slow down. Look at the birds. <laughs> Look at the grass of the field. Oh, sounds fascinating, doesn't it? Look at the grass of the field. Look at the, look at the flowers. Do any of these toil or spin or live in anxious busyness? Now, why? Because their Lord takes care of them. Do you, are you beginning to see the difference between the life of the believer and the life of the wicked? Which life are you living? Furthermore, Isaiah 56, 6b through 7, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Again, Alec Moitner in his commentary the essential, he says this, the essential element in the house was always the enjoyment of the Lord's presence and fellowship. And this brings in, it goes on. I just read a minute ago, God promises to the eunuch who was not even allowed in the house of God in the Old Testament and to the foreigner who equally was not allowed, allowed into the house of God. How can they enter the house of God? How about Isaiah 53? You see, it's not the sacrificial system. It's the very essence of the suffering servant, the one who was pierced for our transgression, who was crushed for our iniquity. Why? To make, to atone for our sin, to redeem us, that even we, the outcast, and we are the foreigner in this passage, by the way. We, we are the foreigner. We are the immigrant. We, we, we are the eunuch. We are not the Israel, okay? We are spiritual Israel, uh, but we are the foreigner, and what is the hope? Jesus is our hope and entrance, and yet we can experience rest in Him. The Sabbath, which literally means ceasing work, is much more centered on the experience of God than the ceasing. Listen to me. It, 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 we, you just hear that word Sabbath, man. We've got a lot of... Those of us that grew up in the church, we have PTSD. I mean, it's hard to even hear Sabbath and get excited. You're probably looking at me like, that man's lost his mind, you know. I've never seen anybody excited about the Sabbath. Um, we've got to redefine what the Sabbath is, and that's what I'm working hard up here to do. It, it's like, think about it, it's not focused on the ceasing, it's focused on the doing. It's like going on a date with her favorite person, you know, if you're married, your wife or your husband, you're excited. But what are you excited about? Oh, that I'm, not, that I'm ceasing all this other stuff? I hope not. I hope the excitement is the essence of, the, of who you're with and what you're doing with that person. That is what is at the heart of the Sabbath. Sabbath is seeking, ceasing activity and distraction to meet God. And this is precisely what you and I need. We need to build the rhythm of our life after Jesus who had a different rhythm. It was not of hurry. It was not of busyness. It was not of distraction. 
It was solely of the Father. That's what we need. Michael Zigarelli from the Charleston Southern University School of Business, have no idea what that is. It's a school of business. That's, that's all I got. Uh, conducted this study called the Obstacles to Growth Survey. Uh, he surveyed over 20,000 Christians across the world and identified busyness as the major distraction from spiritual life. And here was his conclusion after this survey. It may be, it, it may be the case that, one, Christians are assimilating to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload, which, two, leads to God becoming more marginalized in Christians' lives, which leads to, three, a deteriorating relationship with God, which leads to, four, Christians becoming even more vulnerable to adopting secular assumptions about how to live, which leads to, five, more, more conformity to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload. And then the cycle begins again. Friends, as Christians, if we're not regularly communing with God, experiencing the deep realities, drinking deeply of Him personally in our lives throughout our days and weeks, then what are we doing? Why do we think we're following Jesus? Why are we even wasting our time following Jesus? That's the entree. That's the feast. That's what Isaiah was inviting us to a couple of chapters back. Come, come buy wine and milk without cost. Why? Because it's already been paid for. It was this vision of this great banquet hall. Come. It's not give up and be miserable and hang on till heaven. No, it was come commune with the living God. Come know Him. Come, come, drink your, come bring your souls to the edge of His water and drink. Oh, we need to hear this so much, uh, especially after this last year. I don't know if you saw the article by Kelly English this week. I think it was in the Daily Memphian. I'm sorry if I'm misquoting that. I should have taken a couple more seconds, uh, but I didn't. It was early this morning uh, that, I wanted to, that I remembered it. But Kelly English is a restauranteer, owns several restaurants in Memphis, and he talks about how uh, the effect this past year has had on him and all of the, the people that own restaurants and work in the restaurant industry, how overwhelming it's been, how exhausted they are. And listen to what he said. There's a quote. As the world starts to get back to normal and people start coming back to restaurants after being pent up for a year, how do I tell them that emotional and spiritual burnout is our starting point as an industry? I was like, that dude is like got in my body and, and spoke exactly how I feel. I mean, and I think all of us had, oh, it's been this year of rest that we've not had to work. No, we've had to recreate everything. It has been absolutely exhausting. It's been unnerving. It has been dissecting all of our idols. It has been hard, hard, hard. But what do we need more than experiencing the presence of God? This week in our podcast called Take One, uh, Allison Brasher was our guest, and, um, 
And I'm actually going to quote Allison Bratcher. It's the last thing she would ever want anyone to do in public, especially in front of her. But it's just too good not to do it. Um, so listen to this quote. Social media and tech companies have figured out uh, what or social media and tech companies have figured out um, that if they have someone's attention, you have them. Where your attention goes, you attach thoughts to that, and you attach feelings to those thoughts, and you attach actions to those feelings. So having someone's attention is like having the inner part of them. When Scripture is calling us to pay attention, I think what God is inviting us to is giving our attention back to Him. Friends, what has your attention? What has my attention? Here's some stats from a book I'm reading I'll mention in a minute. The average guy spends 10,000 hours playing video games by age 21. It's estimated the, the average adult will spend six years and eight months of their lifetime on social media. You didn't. Six years and eight months. Adults watch 2,737.5 hours of TV per year. What has your idle moments? What has your free time? What owns you? And here's the thing. You know, do an inventory. I, I challenge us to do an inventory. Take a day and literally uh, map out, uh, literally write down what you do in a day, or it'd be better even in a week. Do that. But it's not that streaming Stranger Things or Greenleaf or whatever is bad, or even video games or, or social media in and of themselves, but it's what we're sacrificing in order to do those things. It's what we're missing, what's passing by us while we're engaged in these things. It's what we're missing. Jesus said, Jesus didn't just say, be born again. He also said, follow me. He said, be my, be my disciple. Live on my, my side. Live on my hip. L ride with me. Process everything with me. And to do that, he has to have your attention. Sabbath is putting your phone down, turning off your radio, TV, computer device, the, even a book to give yourself your thoughts, your energy to God. It's giving your whole self to him. Sabbath is not just a day at the spa or a fishing trip. And that's good stuff. That's necessary. That, that it, it's good to take breaks, but that's not Sabbath. Sabbath is bringing your heart to God. It's experiencing Him in the midst of solitude and quiet. Sabbath is a way of life. Sabbath can happen in the car. Start whatever you do while you're driving. And I know a lot of us text, so let's definitely stop that. Turn off the radio. And you parents are going, yeah, you forgot, Richard. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've got screaming kids in the back. Okay, I hear you, I hear you. Whatever that moment is in your life, turn it all off. Take five minutes and just take one passage. Go to Matthew chapter 11 and just close your eyes and listen to these words. Come to me, says Jesus, all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Just take 10 minutes. Here's what comes to my mind just in that split second of a moment when I just did that up here preaching. 
Why don't I experience that rest? What am I giving myself to? What? He says, come to me and I'll have rest. Well, what am I doing wrong? What am I loving more? How am I missing it? Oh, I want your rest, Lord Jesus. I'm so tired. I'm so weary. And I need more than a nap. I need more than a day off. I need more than a vacation. I need more than a Sabbath. <laughs> I need you. I mean, do you see how that works? And then you begin to work. You, you begin to process all the stuff in your life. If you're quiet before, the reason you're not quiet, the reason I'm not uh, quiet, the reason we're so fascinated and, and given over to um, the distractions of our lives is because we really don't want to face the hurt and the pain, the trauma that is there that we know if we slow down long enough, we're going to have to face. We're going to have to face why those relationships are broken. We're going to have to face the reality of why we're so disconnected from our parents and our friends or our spouse or our children. We're going to have to process why the people that work for us don't like us. We don't like the people that we work for. We're going to have to start dealing with these realities, but we can deal with it in the presence of God. We may need to go to counseling to get down to the root, but you even take that right into the presence of God and say, why, oh God, okay, maybe my parents weren't there for me. Maybe my parents were not just neglecting me. Maybe they were abusing me. But you were there, and you will never abuse me, and you're the true lover of my soul, and thank you that I'm not hopeless. Do you see that is what Sabbath is all about. And if we do that, secondly, again, we could do a whole series, and we probably should on this, but let's go to number two, which is the end. Sabbath rest is inseparably connected to justice and diversity. I'm reading the best book, and I just, I can't, I just can't recommend it enough. It's called um, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer, or Comer, C-O-M-E-R. And in it, he says this, love, joy, and peace are at the heart of all Jesus is trying to grow in the soil of your life. Let's just stop right there. <laughs> love, joy, and peace are at the heart of all Jesus is trying to grow in the soil of your life. And all three of these are incompatible with hurry. Listen to 56, 1 and 2 again. Keep justice and do righteousness, for soon my salvation will come and my righteousness be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this and the Son of Man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and who keeps his hand from doing evil. There's a way to read these, verses, these two verses and, and, and separate Sabbath from justice, from righteousness, from, um, you know, um, the stranger, loving the stranger, having a diverse life, and so forth. But listen to it this way. Keep justice and do righteousness. Blessed is the man who does this, who keeps the Sabbath. What? It is inextricably linked. You cannot do Sabbath and neglect justice. The, if you're doing Sabbath, if you are communing with God, oh yeah, you can take a trip and rest and totally as a distraction to have to do justice. But if you're communing with God and He's getting the deeper parts of your life, you are going to come out of that more loving. You're going to come out of that less self-centered. 
You're going to come out of that with an eye full of those around you. You're going to care about your neighbor's plight, maybe even more than your own. You're going to begin to look at your own life and realize, man, I've had privileges, and Jesus had the greatest privilege of the world, but he took his privilege and levered it for, leveraged it for my good. Oh, maybe that's the gospel. Do you see it? Sabbath rest is drinking deep of God, and this is where it leaves us. Walter Brueggemann, another incredible book, but read this other one first uh, uh, that I mentioned, the, the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. But uh, Walter Brueggemann, Old Testament prop, wrote Sabbath as Resistance, and he said this, Worship that does not lead to neighborly compassion and justice cannot be faithful worship of Yahweh. The offer is a phony Sabbath. And friends, don't just, we hear justice today, and all of a sudden we go to the issues of our day. He's talking about loving the people right here. It starts right, don't say you're Sabbathing with God and you're drinking deep of God, with God and you're hating your spouse and you're mean to your children or you hate your parents. Do you hear that? It's, it's doing deep work in our souls to empower us to love to love. And we see this in Mark 3 in Jesus' life. And there's so many other passages. Again, man, I wish we had more time. But again, uh, let me just read it. Jesus, again, he, Jesus, entered the synagogue. and, And a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus, the Pharisees. They watched Jesus to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath. Heck yeah, he would heal on the Sabbath. That's the whole point of the Sabbath. Anyway, let's keep going. Um heal him so that, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. <laughs> it's almost like, and he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent, a bunch of chickens. And he looked around at them in anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored And the Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. They hated this reality. They didn't want to give themselves over to anyone. Do you? Do you want to give yourself to Jesus? Are you willing to, to be that vulnerable to give yourself to this man who is God that he might come in and heal the deepest recesses of your soul? Sabbath keeping is having God's radical deliverance at the center of our lives. And this addresses the left and the right, the liberal and the conservative. For the left, it's not just, we haven't done justice when we, we posted on Facebook, stop Asian hate or Black Lives Matter. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. I'm not critiquing that. But what I fear, and what, uh, there's a lot I fear about social media, but one thing I fear is that we really feel like we're doing justice doing that. No. What God is calling us to is so commune with Him that we embrace our Asian, our African American, our white. We we embrace our neighbor and we love them, even our enemy. Why? Because God embraces us. We make deep community transformation by being loving, by embracing those around us, by actually doing justice and not just talking about it. And yet also it hits the right You cannot, as I said just a minute ago, you cannot commune with God and justify a self-centered life and not be um, um, 
engaged in the issues around you that God's heart goes after. You can't just vote pro-life and think you've, that's what all the, the Bible has called you to do. Or even if God, anyway, well, that's a whole other subject. You hear what I'm saying? It's both of us. Oh, he's calling us to Sabbath, the radical community that's drinking deep of God that therefore is going out in deep humility and grace and mercy, extending that love to the world around. It is, it is the centrifugal force coming from the very heart of God through us as he does his work in us as we Sabbath. This is justice. And to connect Sabbath um, with justice is, is category-breaking. For it seems that those who seek justice are the ones most worn out and empty, and thus my point is proven. Are we doing justice? Uh, And there are many of us in this room that have poured ourselves in. I about burned myself out the first two years of this church plant. I had to get a hold of this. I can't imagine you teachers, MTR teachers, and I, you know, Teach for America, I can't imagine you teachers, I can't imagine others... If you're not, if you're not um, um, teaching, if you're not relating, if you're not doing the work you do out of the overflow of the abundance of God's love coming through you, you're exhausted, worn out, and you want to quit. And it's, if you quit, that doesn't mean you're... Just hear me. You businessman, you businesswoman, you doctor, you lawyer, whatever we are, we are to get so full of God that we overflow on those around us. We've got to wrap it up. So here's the context. To make you feel better, the people of God had neglected Sabbath, justice, and diversity forever. And it would take about 400 more years and Pentecost to, to make a dent in that. We saw the New Testament church starting to get it because they got the Holy Spirit and Sabbath and and, you know, communing deeply with God. So, feel free. You're not a special case sinner. You are just an average old sinner. And I say that tongue-in-cheek, but I really mean it. But listen to what God says to you and me. Chapter 7, verse 15. Thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place... No, nothing unique there. And also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Can you take that to God? Can you take all of your burnt out, all of your... I'm done with it, all of your, I can't do it anymore, all of that to God. This is a God that meets you and will re-energize you with his love because his arms are open. This is the God of Isaiah 53. This is the God given the invitation of come to me, 
um, come by wine and milk without money, without cost. This is the God who was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. All we like sheep have gone astray, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That is the God calling us to solitude, calling us to quiet, calling us that when we're tempted to grab these devices to put it down and to go to him and say, speak to me, help me understand while I was so full of fear and anxiety coming out of that meeting or going into that meeting, processing all of life, everything, why am I, all of it in his presence. This is the God who meets you with eyes of love and arms that are open. This is a God that knows you and loves you and invites you to the deep well of himself. Would you give yourself to him today? Because he will give you rest. Lord Jesus, thank you. It's almost too good to be true. The invitation is almost too radical to even hear it and receive it. But, oh God, would you pierce our hearts with the overflowing power of your Spirit? Would you help us to hear your invitation, to hear and to see your arms wide open, and to hear your words, come, come, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Oh God, may we respond to your call this morning. May we live a life of Sabbath, and out of that, may we love our neighbor, and may we welcome the immigrant and the foreigner, just as you've done for us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's respond to the glorious hope of the gospel as we bring tithes and offerings to him this morning, and as we do more than that, as we give him our hearts.